Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Alan. We're glad that you're here. I'm up here a little earlier than usual this morning because the children are going to come at the end of service and share some of their music from Bible school. We're in a series called Imagine Heaven, and this is probably the most important in, that, in the series. Week four out of six, we're going to be talking about the highlight of heaven. Most of us here would believe in some form of heaven. Uh, some of us are really convicted about it, really certain about it. We really have a good image about what it is. Others of us are kind of, uh, I believe in it, but I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. And some of you, you may not believe there is going to be an afterlife. And if, if not, we're glad that you're here. Um, but if you do believe there's going to be something, what's it going to be like? And we've been spending several weeks talking about it. And one way we're talking about it is we're comparing what's called near-death experiences. Thousands of people have had been pronounced clinically dead, no brain activity, and yet are brought back to life, and then they share these experiences they have. And we look at the commonality of those experiences as well as comparing them to what the Bible says. And it's amazing how similar they are. <clears throat> so, will the highlights of heaven be anything like our highlights on earth? So what are some of your highlights here on earth? For me, was getting married was one of them. Uh, if you're married, that was probably one for you. Uh, children, uh, grandchildren, uh, their highlights. Um, we took a trip, and most of you know, in, in October to southern France, a river cruise. It was one of the highlights of our life. Uh, just made all kinds of memories. So the trips are uh, examples. Uh, food. Uh, we, most of us love to eat. Uh, maybe, you know, one of our highlights for us are, are banquets or going to fancy restaurants or expensive or good restaurants. That might be it. Uh, sports is a big deal for some of us. You know, uh, team winning the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever. How did the uh, Thurmont team do in the Little League World Series? They lost? Ah, too bad. But anyway, uh, it's been exciting that they made it, right? Um, so uh, that's another, another part of highlight is if you've met somebody famous or important. How many people have met somebody famous or important? Come on, some of you have. Yeah, all right. And we could kind of get together and brag about my person I met more important than the person you met or more famous. All right. So are we going to have these experiences in heaven? Are there going to be river cruises in heaven? Is there going to be celebrities we get to meet? Well, we're going to get to meet one we're going to talk about today, <laughs> a really important celebrity. Uh, is there going to be food? Uh, we won't be having children and getting married, so then we'll have those highlights. So... What's going to be the highlight of heaven? Singular. There's going to be a highlight. And uh, if we look at these near-death experiences, there's this commonality. For everyone, the highlights of heaven is a, some form of a being of light. Sometimes it's very detailed. Sometimes it's kind of vague. Uh, it's not a place. It's not food. Uh, it's a person. And it's a being of light. And the amazing thing is, this being of light who looks remarkably like, who do you think? <laughs> Jesus, their impression of Jesus, or their image of Jesus. So I'm going to read one account to you. It's by a, name, a guy named Rene. He hydroplane on a young guy uh, on the streets of Sydney, Australia, and he died, okay? So let's read his account. I arrived in an explosion of glorious light into a room with insubstantial walls, standing before a man about in his 30s and six feet tall. All right, so this... The being of light was, was uh, 
somebody middle age or 30s and six feet tall. Now, it's interesting to me because I don't think Jesus was six feet tall. Uh, 2,000 years ago, people were probably about five foot tall. But uh, in his image, and this person he meets is six foot tall. Uh, reddish brown shoulder length hair. I think he probably had black hair. He was Jewish. But to this person, this Jesus appears this way. Incredibly neat, short beard, and mustache. And he goes on. He wore a simple white robe. Light seemed to emanate from him. Again, this is a being of light. Just light emanates or bursts forth. And he felt like he had a great age and wisdom. But he already said he looked like he was 30. But he had, seemed to have great age and wisdom. He goes on. He welcomed me with great love, tranquility, and peace indescribably. And that's been the experience we've seen. That people can't really describe these experiences. No words. I felt I can sit at your feet forever and be content. <clears throat> Isn't that amazing? And uh, if you read the book or read some of these accounts, it's, it's very, very, very similar. This, this being, it's hard to describe, but if they could describe him, we're going to look at a couple this, this morning, uh, just, just, just looks like what the Bible talks about, this, this Jesus. Another fascinating thing is this. The being, this of light, this most of us are apply as Jesus, doesn't change with ethnicity or religious background. So there's no, if you're black, that person's not black. If you're oriental, that person's not oriental. Um, it uh, is not a, you know, Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not, uh, in fact, the next slide says this. Hindus and Jews and others report a man that matches the description of Jesus. So there's no, 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 no contradiction here. You know, there isn't any kind of other beings, other ethnicity, ethnicities, other religions. It doesn't appear to be an Indian uh, or Native American or an Indian from India. It always appears, when they can describe this, this being, as someone we would recognize as Jesus. Now, the pushback is this. <clears throat> One of the pushbacks. In our society, we, we are taught or believe that truth is relative. So it's okay if you worship Jesus and if they worship Allah and Hindus or Buddhists worship something else. It's whatever everybody wants, wants to believe. But is truth relative? Is it relative in any other area of life? In mathematics? Some of you have children in school. If they go to school and two plus two, they say is five and they get that answer right? No. In mathematics, there's no relative truth. There's truth. Science. Gravity. You decide, oh, I don't think gravity exists. I'm going to jump off a 10-story building. All right? You would be proven wrong and be dead. <laughs> All right? Because scientific laws are not relative. Mathematic laws aren't relative. Uh, if you drive down a one-way street the wrong way, what's going to happen? Bad things are going to happen to you, right? See, no other area of life do we believe in rel relative truth except for in the area of spirituality for some reason. But does it make sense that there's going to be truth in all other areas of life except spirituality? Doesn't make sense, does it? There's spiritual truth just like there's scientific and mathematic truth. And should it surprise most of us that we're Jesus, that we're Jesus followers? If you're not, we're delighted that you're here. We, we, we like to answer any questions you have. That this person appears to be the Jesus of the Bible. Does that surprise you? Doesn't surprise me. So now we're going to read some, something from Revelation, something John wrote that we read earlier in the series, but we're going to read it now with the perspective of trying to figure out what the highlight of heaven 
or who, it's actually a who, is. This is Revelation 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. It's all relational, right? And God's coming to us. In all the religions of the world, man is trying to get to God except for Christianity. That's why I call Christianity really not a religion because it's a God coming to us and it's all about connecting and, and, and intimacy and relationship. He said, Every, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And that's the thing we don't want to have in our relationship, right? We don't want to have tears and death and sorrow in our relationship. You know, when you, you know, I do funerals for people that lose their spouse. You know, there's a the sorrow there of losing that person that you had the closest intimacy here on earth. Or when you lose a parent or lose a child. We lost a, a daughter-in-law. And the pain and the sorrow and, and the tears that come with that. There won't be any more of that uh, in heaven. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. But I tell you it's trustworthy and true. Again, there's, this is truth. It's not relative. You can take it to the bank. With, what the Bible says, what God says is true. It's spiritual truth. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, alphabet. And to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. And again, this seems egotistical. It's all about this I, uh, who we believe is Jesus, right? And it seems really egotistical until you get to know Jesus and you find out it's really nothing. It's not about him. Who's it really about? It's about you. It's about me, Right? And again, most religions of the world, you're trying to earn your way, work your way to God. And Christianity, no, 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 it's, that's, you, you can't do that. There's no way you can do that anyway. He says, I'm going to give it to you. It's free. It's a free gift. It's because it's I love you, and it, it's a grace gift. It's a gift of mercy. You're not getting what we deserve, but we don't deserve, just because God loves us. Again, it's not about him. It's about us. And uh, all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Again, this, this picture of, of connectedness and intimacy. And then the angel showed me a river with water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. All right? The Lamb is in, in Judaism. It goes back to the Passover. They, they were instructed to kill a lamb, spread the blood around the doorpost, and the death angel would pass over that that oldest child would not die in that household and so for 3,000 plus years in Judaism they've been celebrating this and on Passover our Easter they celebrate and they have a Passover lamb and many traditional Jewish families still have a feast on lamb so the throne of God and the lamb it flowed down the center of the main street on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop uh, uh, each month. Again, life, not death. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nation. So not only healing individual relationships, but in, he, even healing corporate relationships. No longer will there be a curse on anything. For the throne of God, and again, and the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him. So if you're looking for God, you will bump into the Lamb. All right? 
And they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. Again, face to face, relational. And there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them. Again, there's this sense of being of light. And they will reign forever and ever. And we believe, and it seemed pretty clear from near-death experiences and what we read here, that this being, the highlight of heaven, is actually Jesus. So now I ask you the question, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Again, that seems so narrow, right? You know, what about all these people that believe other things? But if you really understood Jesus, (laughs) you wouldn't ask that question. Because again, it, it was about us. We call it good news. And if it seems like bad news to you, you don't understand the good news. And if anything here at our church seems like bad news, we're doing a bad job of promoting the good news. So here it is. Jesus addresses a tension you have wrestled with all your life if you realize it or not. It's a tension we all deal with. And it's a struggle we all have. And I'm going to put it up on the screen and talk about it for a few minutes. I don't want anybody to completely know me because if they did, they wouldn't love me. And even in our most intimate relationships of of marriage, and we do marriage counseling and sometimes we see this, one of the spouses hiding something from the other spouse because they're afraid if they really knew this about me, if they really knew what I was thinking or whatever, they wouldn't love me. They would reject me. Our relationship would be over. And so it has the opposite effect, right? Because when you start hiding things, does that promote intimacy? Nah, it promotes separation. And so we build walls, whether it be in marriage and our relationship with our parents or our friends, people at work. Because we thought if they really knew me, Not only wouldn't they love me, they couldn't love me. I'm unlovable. So here's the amazing thing, and this is why Jesus is the highlight of heaven. Jesus completely knows you. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he still completely loves you. He knows things that you've forgotten. He knows things that you've not told anybody. And now some of you are getting a little uncomfortable because you're thinking about those things, right? And Jesus knows them. Now, in, our, in, the, in, in this world, people do reject you sometimes, don't they? But that's what you and I are seeking, to be fully known and still fully loved. And if you have a great marriage or a great friendship, you, you experience that, right? That's what I love about our small groups. We get in our small group and we share some things. We risk sharing some things and hoping that people won't reject us and, and hopefully they don't. And that's the power of the cross. That God knows all your dirt, all your garbage, all your shortcomings and he loves you anyway. So we're going to look at several uh, testimonies of people with near-death experiences, actually three again this morning. And we're going to start off with Dr. Uh, Mary Neal, the lady that uh, died in uh, And we're going to hear her near-death experience related to the highlight of heaven. I went over a waterfall that had a tremendous volume and a lot of current. And as my boat 
rocketed down, the front end became stuck or pinned in the rocks underwater, and the boat and I were immediately and completely submerged under about eight or ten feet of water. Hmm. And I very quickly knew that I was likely going to die. And at that point, I completely surrendered the outcome to God's will. And the moment I asked that God's will be done, I was immediately uh, and very physically held by Christ and reassured that everything would be fine, regardless. How did you know it was Jesus holding you? It's an absolute pure knowledge. It would be as though I saw my husband in the grocery store and I knew it was my husband. I don't have to ask if it's my husband. Mm. I knew that it was Christ holding me and it was a very pure, absolute knowledge and that was one of the first very profound aspects of this experience for me because I knew that I didn't deserve to be held by Christ. I certainly didn't deserve his love or his reassurance, but that's the beauty of it. None of us actually deserve God's love. Hmm. What did he look like? Everybody wants to know. Everybody asks. I know. And my answer is very clear, even though it's nonsensical. And I would say that he looked like bottomless kindness and compassion. And those are not words that make sense, because those aren't words that we use visually. But that is what he looked like. It wasn't a matter of looking at someone and saying, oh, you know, he had brown hair and, right. you know, whatever. Um, he looked like bottomless kindness and compassion. And in terms of uh, his outward appearance, I would say the same thing as the other people I saw, which is a, a physicality, head, arms, legs. Uh, and again, this, this filamentous robe exploding with love. But I also will say that I'm not entirely sure that that's how he always is. Fascinating. People, different people see him different ways, but there's a commonality. So Jesus completely knows you. A little scary, right? Yeah, completely loves you. And we struggle with this because sin messes up our relationships, right? Uh, one of the things we talked about last week, we should continually get better at loving other people as the love of God works through our lives. <clears throat> so we're going to look at a passage about, about something Jesus said. It's in Matthew chapter 11. And um, he talks about how he thinks about us. And I'm going to actually read it from the message paraphrase. I don't do this very often. In your, in your bulletin, you have the actual translation. But if I was to read the translation, I would basically be saying what the message paraphrase says. So I'm just going to let it say it for me. <clears throat> so here we go. Matthew 11, 27 through 30. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is my job, to reveal God to you. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of a father-son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, no the father the way the son does. So if you want what God is like, you just look at Jesus, right? But I'm not keeping it to myself. And that's the wonderful thing again about Christianity. God's not hiding. God's not trying to keep things from us. He's trying to, to show us. 
himself and his will for our lives. I'm ready to go over it by line by line with anyone willing to listen. So God's desire is to reveal himself to you through Jesus. And today he's doing that through what you're hearing, singing, music, what I'm saying, the scripture reading. God is revealing himself. And then he goes on. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? And one of the things that we are tired of is hiding, right? Trying to balance that. Well, how much do I hide? How much do I reveal? How close do I let this person in before they no longer love me or reject me? He says, come to me. You don't have to worry about being rejected. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Real life is to live without fear of rejection. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You can just relax. You can rest. I know I'm loved. I'm known. And yet, I'm loved. And God's desire is for us to know him and for us to be known. He goes on. Walk with me and work with me. So this rest is not inactivity. It's, I don't know, emotional or relational rest. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and we just took a whole series on grace it says I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you so if your religion your Christianity your whatever religion you might have or your your non-religion if it's heavy or if it's ill-fitting or if it's not relaxing if it's not restful it's not real Christianity anyway keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly is your Christianity, your form of religion, feel free? It should. That's what Jesus offers and that's what Jesus describes. Now, we're going to look at two more. Uh, Dale, the, the pilot. Again, I love the fact that he shares testimonies of people who have more to lose by sharing this stuff than to gain. A pilot and then, then also this art professor, Howard Storm. Did you, did you see Jesus? Later, I did. That was the last thing that happened after going through the city and asking questions and going through at the very last moment, I had been ushered closer and closer toward the light, toward the light, toward the light. The light that's in the center Center, of the city. Yeah, and then there was a stairway that was near the glass sea, which it looked like a sea and a stairway that went up and a large angel with the most uh, power, if we would say that. And it was clear that he was basically in charge of that stairway. And uh, I just began to communicate uh, to this angel heart to heart. Again, it's hard to say, did we talk? It seemed like it, but then it seemed like we didn't. This communication was, was just impeccably pure. And I began to recognize, I can't go up there. I can't go up. I can't go up and still go back. And I was thinking, go back. Go back? What, what, what do we mean? What's that mean? And as soon as I'm thinking, go back, the angel moved just to the side. But I looked into the eyes of the warmest, kindness, most wonderful. I knew this was the Son of God. I knew this was my Savior. And all of a sudden, my knees buckled. My legs lost their strength. And I just went down. I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was not worthy. This, 
I was not worthy to stand in his presence. Funny that I didn't feel worthy to be in heaven, yet I knew I was worthy in the early part. I was somehow given this, granted this authority, but I had this supernatural uh, gift that I was worthy. Somebody had done something for me. He had. Yes. And so I'm down on my just falling down and I see his feet and I grab them and I hold his feet and I see the scars and I know this is the son of God he's my savior he's my lord it is because of him he died for everybody it's so cool because the bible even says no I take that back Jesus said that uh I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through me will be saved. And it was because of that. He was, he's not condemning anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, what sins you've done, including murder. It doesn't matter what you've done. All of it is, is forgivable. God can forgive anybody of anything. And then we have this free gift that we call salvation. You and I know about And that's what you felt and at his of feet. Course. I just, but to describe this experience, I just stopped at his feet and, and I was worshiping him in, down on the ground there. And I heard the voice, Dale, do you love me? <laughs> that's it. Do you love me? And I'm trying to think of all these words to say. And I'm getting ready to say, in a sense, I'm getting ready to say, but I've said nothing. And I'm getting ready to say, of course I love you, Lord. I remember who you are, what you do. I'm getting ready to say that. And he bends down and whispers into my ear. And I'm now back. Why would he touch me? I'm filth. And he restored me. And he loved me. And he's taking me there and I thought, he's made a terrible mistake. He should put me back where I belong. And he spoke to me. And he said, we don't make mistakes. You do belong. <laughs> like, and I go... And I realized I hadn't said that. I had thought that. And I thought, I thought that. Do you know what I think? And he said, I know everything you've ever thought. <laughs> and I went, oh no, that's bad. <laughs> Can I tell him what I thought next? <laughs> yeah, tell him. <laughs> I thought it's about... So a woman without her clothes on. <laughs> and he thought that was so funny. <laughs> Jesus thought it was funny, and I thought, he thinks I'm funny! <laughs> and it was like so great, and I thought, if he knows everything I've ever thought, I've got nothing to hide. It's good. I mean, we're, we're, we're tight. And I just want to, <laughs> I just want to say that you know, people talk about his love all the time, but I want to introduce a different word in here. Really, a really complex, important word. He likes us.
Well, you want to miss next week. Howard's going to talk about his negative near-death experience. That's what's so amazing about this part here, because he was headed toward hell and uh, called out to God, and he, he brought him into this part he shared today. So you're completely known and completely loved. Not only loved, you're, God likes you. Isn't that amazing? Again, this is what we all long for. And of course, forgiveness is part of that because we all screw up, we all mess up. And God forgives all of that. And the reason he does that is because Jesus paid the price for those sins, those mess ups. And when you understand that, when you accept that, it changes you, doesn't it? If somebody here on earth like my wife accepting me from that changes me. Your parents accepting that changes you. So we all wrestle with this. this. I want to be completely known, but I want to be completely loved. So, give me this question. So what's keeping you from fully trusting Jesus? What's keeping you from doing that? What's your reservations? What's your objections? What's your pushback? Questions. We love questions. Jesus, God's not afraid of questions. What is keeping you from fully trusting Jesus? What are you hiding? Trying to hide. You can't really hide it, right? (laughs) That's what's so silly. What are you trying to hide from God? Maybe trying to hide from others. What's keeping you from fully trusting Jesus? You may not be ready right now. So we'd just like you to just kind of your homework, kind of think about this, contemplate this. And the greater you understand Jesus, the easier it will be to fully trust him. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have the kids come in, okay? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for uh, the testimony of these folks that, uh, again, have nothing to gain, everything to lose by sharing these experiences, yet they're willing to share with us. And it's just amazing how how it is unique yet exactly what we would expect it to be, a completely loving and forgiving God. And our reaction would be such that it would be kind of, you don't deserve this. I fall on his feet, our knees would buckle, yet Jesus would raise us from and say, yes, you belong here because of what I've done for you. God, I want to pray for anybody here that hasn't ever stepped across that line or maybe is a Jesus follower yet they're holding something back from, the, from you or trying to or from others. God, give them the, the strength, the belief, the faith uh, to push on and push through that. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this promise of eternal life in heaven. We thank you for these children that have come and, and going to share with us. In your name we pray, amen.